The Horse and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special, supported by Toggy. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor at Horse and Hound, and I'm out in Japan with my colleague Polly Bryan. Hi, Polly. Hi, Pippa. How's it going with you? Very good, thank you. It's been exciting to be back at the uh, show jumping arena today, hasn't it? It has. So we had a day off yesterday and a bit more of that later, but I think we went back to the equestrian park with renewed enthusiasm, having not been there, uh, you know, less than 24 hours before, <laughs> as has generally been the case. Um but yes, it was great to be back. Today was the qualifier for the team competition. Mm. 19 teams in the mix, only 10 going through to the final tomorrow. And the great news is that Britain managed to qualify among those 10 teams. Yes, they did. Um, were they seventh at the end, in the end? Yes, they were the seventh best team today. It doesn't matter that it's clean slate tomorrow, so the faults from today don't carry forward to tomorrow. But yes, they were the seventh best team out of the 10 who qualified. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. And um, it was Holly Smith who was making her sort of first trip round that that arena today, wasn't it, Pip? Yep, that's right, Polly. So Holly making her Olympic debut and she didn't jump in the individual competition, as we've already you know, talked about a few times on the podcast. But she came in today and had a really great round, just had one fence down on Denver. I thought she rode in a very assured and smooth way. Um, she's a very stylish but quite understated rider, I think. And yeah, I was really impressed with her today. Yeah, I actually um, didn't manage to see a lot of her round as I was chatting to a couple of other people in the mix zone sort of at the same time. I slightly lost track of time as can happen when you're talking to interesting people. But I I know that Holly is is a really lovely rider to watch and um, Denver's a really talented horse, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Let's hear from Holly. We caught up with her a couple of weeks ago to talk about Denver. Denver's a very athletic horse. It is very quick against the clock. He's very brave and he's a very tough horse and he, he just seems to understand the competition. Um, <laughs> some horses do just seem to get it and he's one of those. Well, Denver and Holly certainly proved that they had it in them for the big time today with their uh, their single rail down. But he's actually not a horse who started out with show jumping as his first career choice. Let's hear a little more from Holly about that. Denver came to the UK as a five-year-old um, for Constance Copestake. Um, she produced him and evented him all the way up till when he was 12 years old. He always showed an incredible amount of promise, but became unreasonably strong and keen on the cross-country. Um, and he was already a very good show jumper, so luckily he made the transfer across to me to try international-level show jumping, and we are where we are now. Gosh, it's so it's so lovely to hear that um, that these horses are really sort of finding their true calling in life, even if it wasn't their very first career plan. Pippa, who else was riding for Britain today, and how did they get on? So Harry Charles ended up in the team. Obviously, we thought Scott Brash was going to be riding on that British trio, but Jefferson picked up a minor sprain in the individual competition, which meant that Harry Charles and Romeo eighty eight came back in for the team competition. Harry had a bad time in the individual final, ended up retiring. So I think we were all quite nervous seeing him going to the arena today and knowing that all Britain's hopes were with him, really. If he had uh, been unable to finish the course, that would have been it. But actually, I was really impressed with Harry today, Polly. I think he managed to pull himself together in a very mature way. And he Mm. had three fences down, but the horse didn't look overfaced. He didn't look sort of, you know, like he was terrified or anything after the other night. And 
you know, Harry said that he knew he wasn't going to go clear. It was about giving the horse confidence um, and he was actually very happy with how it went. I think you spoke to him and he mentioned that he was sort of chasing the time a little bit at the end, which is why he had maybe one or two rails down that he might not have had otherwise. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Harry said that, you know, he was unlucky with the first fault he had and then he was just trying to move him up to get closer to the time with the other couple of rails that he had down. And the time was tight today. A lot of riders had a time fault. Yeah, a couple of them mentioned it was tight, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that puts pressures on riders riding down what was a very difficult last line actually today with some choices around striding and so on if you're also chasing the clock. Yeah, for sure. And the third rider into the ring for Britain was our uh, our Olympic champion, wasn't it? It was Ben Mayer. Yeah, it seems strange that Ben's the reigning Olympic champion having been crowned two days ago and he's still <laughs> riding here in the Olympics. It's a strange situation with the individual coming first. But yeah. yes, he was. I think there was a collective intake of breath when Explosion W had a fence down today in the middle of the triple combination. But Ben basically said that uh, after a very fast round of jumping like they had in the jump off the other day, he has to sort of give him confidence again. He's a horse who gets more careful the faster he goes, which is obviously a great asset. But he has to get him sort of jumping across his oxers again rather mm. than just going very high. And this was an oxer. And he said he maybe just left him a little bit on his own. And he could have helped him more. But Ben knew going in that he didn't have to jump clear to secure that spot and that he could take the pressure off and give him a slightly easier round. He said he, he knows that sounds a bit crazy to be jumping in the Olympics and giving him an easier round, but <laughs> he felt he was able to do that, which bodes well for tomorrow in terms of, you know, not, not putting the horse to the absolute max every time he's in the arena. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we were in... Uh, there was a point today where I thought, oh my gosh, you know, are we going to go through as part of that top 10? Um, but by the time Ben went into the arena, um, it did become clear that he would have had to have had a very, very bad round indeed for us to not go through. So as he said, it was um, a little bit of weight off his shoulders, shall we say? Yeah, definitely. Things kind of clarified during that sort of the end of the second rider, beginning of the third rider rotation, didn't they? You know, at the beginning of the night, we didn't know whether the teams would need to be on sort of 8, 12, 16 foots mm. to be going through or whether they could be on quite a lot worse scores. And in the end, there were three teams who were eliminated by finishing one rider or no riders. And there was another team that only finished two riders. So, you know, then there were some teams that had real cricket scores. So the pressure came off Britain a little bit at the end there. Yeah, absolutely. And it really does show just how difficult it actually is to get three riders round the course, you know, without clocking up an awful lot of penalties um, or without someone not finishing at all. Yeah, and talking of those teams that, you know, don't clock up a lot of penalties, Sweden were mega today, weren't they, oh, Polly? Oh my gosh. That, though, those three Swedish riders between them have not had a single rail down this entire competition so far. I hope I'm not jinxing them, although I also they might be denying us a chance at the podium, so maybe I should try to jinx them, I don't know. But they have been absolutely superb. Yeah, so Henrik von Eckermann with King Edward, Marlin Bayard Johnson and Indiana and Peder Fredriksson with All In, all jumped clear today, all inside the time, the only team to finish on a zero score, qualifying in pole position. I think, Polly, you had a chance to catch up with a couple of those Swedish riders. Yeah, I did. I had um, I had a really nice chat with Marlin today, talking quite a lot about her horse, Indiana, who um, she was actually the only mare to get into the individual jump off the other day, which um, it was sort of, it was lovely to see a mare in that, in that mix. And she was actually very, very difficult when Marlin first got her as a seven-year-old. Uh, Marlin said it actually took her a couple of years to even feel safe riding her. And, and Marlin's a very, very experienced rider. This is her fifth 
Olympic Games. So, um, you know, she knows what she's doing and uh, it's really credit to her that this mayor is here jumping so well today. And um, I also spoke to Pedder, Pedder Fredrickson, who was our individual silver medalist um, from Wednesday evening. And he said some really interesting things about, you know, why why the Swedish team are, are so good. Of course, that's what everyone was asking in the mix zone today. And, you know, they were always going to be a strong team. It was never that they were underestimated per se, but they've been so consistently excellent in every round that we've seen this week. Um, and and Pedder just said, you know, it really comes down to having, you know, a really good support team, a great physio, a great vet, great owners. He also gave um, a really nice shout out to their alternate rider, their fourth rider, Rolf Grombanksen, um, saying that he is amazing. He's a true part of the team, really making um, the trio of them actually in the arena stronger. He said, it's you know it's easy to think that fourth rider is not actually very important but they really really are and uh, and he and Rolf and Marlin rode together on the Olympic team in Athens um, and so they you know they know each other really well Pedder said they're a super tight-knit team and and he mentioned how important that is in an Olympics such as this where of course they don't have their friends and family here to support them as you normally would in Olympics you'd have your whole you know your whole support team not just your horses team but your your personal team there on the ground and they don't have that so being really close as a team and being able to really rely on each other and be honest with each other has really been more important than ever um yeah he credited he credited those things for sweden's extraordinary run so far in this competition yeah definitely i uh, need to catch up on those swedish interviews polly but it's good to hear that. And I think we should give an honourable shout out also to Belgium and Germany because their three riders in each in each nation did jump clear. They only accrued time faults. So both those teams going through on a score of four with the time faults split across the riders. Yes, they were both very impressive teams, weren't they? Um, I actually had a had a really lovely chat with uh, a German rider who I'd never come across before. I've never interviewed him before. Andre TM. And... Um, he had a great round with uh, Chakaria, uh, Chestnut Mare. They just had the one time fault, but um, but a really lovely round. And he was saying how, uh, you know, he's he's had what he described as life changing offers for that mare. Um, but he said he's just too in love with her to sell her, Aww. which was really really sweet. Um, he had a lot of lovely things to say about that horse. It really it really brings it home, you know, how much these riders treasure their horses. What a real partnership you have to have to go into an arena like that and jump fences like that Mm, well I'm looking forward to reading more about that one when you write it up for the website Polly I think the last thing we should really talk about today is the shock exit of Ireland from the competition Um, so Ireland were really unlucky today with the three to a team format really ending up punishing them when their first rider Shane Sweetenham was eliminated for a fall. He started out jumping well and then his horse Alejandro, when he got to the triple combination, Shane said that he overreached or pulled a shoe and whatever happened there really rattled him and he got very unsettled. He started putting down in the middle of fences and eventually fell at fence nine. So that was horrible to see and the other two Irish riders didn't come forward because they knew there was really no point in risking their horses jumping around a big track when there was no chance of them qualifying. So that was sad to see. Yeah, it was sad to see. And um, obviously they had, you know, three good performances in the individual final, but they weren't quite up there. Yeah, it was a shame they couldn't come through uh, in the team today. Definitely. Well, I think that's all of our reviewing for today. We'll be back in a moment to talk about tomorrow.
Horse and Hand Podcast Daily Tokyo Special is supported by Toggy. Shop the sport, outdoor, and British equestrian Team GBR collection at toggy.com. Technical, tested, trusted Toggy. So, Pippa, we are back at the Equestrian Park tomorrow for our very final day. It's very sad, um, but it is the team final, the, uh, the, the big one. Um, why don't you run us through how that's going to work? Yep, so there are 10 teams, the 10 teams who qualified today, and those teams are in sort of the order of the faults they qualified. Sweden at the front, Belgium, Germany, Switzerland, the USA, France, Great Britain, Brazil, the Netherlands and Argentina. And it's important to say here that although that though that is the order that the teams qualified in today, so we would expect that to be indicative of who will be strong tomorrow, it is a clean slate. Every team starts on zero tomorrow, the rounds tomorrow, the only thing that count for the team medals. So it will be nail-biting and nothing is guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the case in... Um sports like dressage where it was a similar format with a team qualifier and then the team final and only that was to count but of course show jumping is even more unpredictable far more unpredictable than dressage anything could happen but what would you say we're hoping for from the brits what are sort of realistic expectations do you think so i think we would be being unrealistic if we said we're expecting them to win a team medal you know they qualified seventh of the 10 teams who went through um, the three teams at the top all had zero jumping faults um, and that it's going to be hard to get ahead of them. I very much hope that Holly Smith will, you know, repeat her performance from today, maybe even go clear. I hope to see Ben on his absolute top form with Explosion. A lot of hinges on Harry Charles, really, not to heap more pressure on his very young shoulders. But I really hope that he can come through and carry the confidence of today's round and improve tomorrow and finish his Olympics on a good note. It's not impossible we could get a medal but I'm not going to set unrealistic expectations from our team at this point, I have to say. Not being unambitious, but I'm very happy with our medal haul from this Olympics so far. <laughs> so, yes, we'd love to finish with a medal, but I'm not going to hype it up too much. It's worth remembering also that Harry hasn't had Romeo at 88 very long. It is still a new partnership. So let's hear from him about that. I've had him actually the least amount of time uh, out of all the riders on the team. I've been with the horses. I've, I started riding him in December of last year. And um, a wonderful woman named Anne Thompson, who is his owner, very luckily paired me up with him at the back end of last year. So I was given a great opportunity to ride a very established horse already. Um, certainly one of the best horses I've ever ridden, if not the best. And the goal was always, from when I started riding it, was, was to uh, make it to Tokyo. And, um, you know, for six months, we made a, made a good game plan for him. We uh, got to know each other. And, and I really believe it takes anyway between six and nine months to get to know a horse properly so uh i think the last month and two two months we've actually really got to know each other and uh it shows in the results uh the form we have a great partnership now and we, we know each other i'd say i know him pretty well inside out nearly and he's just a fantastic horse a great fighter great heart and he's great mind as well so it's three of the things i'd look for in a horse he, ha he has all three Oh, and Harry mentioning there that the horse is a real fighter. And I think Harry's proved that about his own character as well already this week. 
Yes, he really, really has. It's it's tricky to come back in when uh, when things haven't gone your way. And and of course, you know, Harry probably wasn't thinking he would be coming back in for the team competition. We were under the impression that of that of course Scott Brash and Jefferson would be jumping in in the team. Um, that obviously changed. Harry has, you know, stood up and come forward. Yeah, there's a lot riding on him. There's a lot on his shoulders. We mustn't forget that. Yeah, and he said himself when I spoke to him today. He only found out yesterday he was going to be in the team. But he had to get on with it. He didn't have a choice. He had to jump. So uh, good yep. for him. He's at the Olympics. He's got to get on with it. Yep. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to seeing the riders tomorrow again for the final final day of equestrian action here in Tokyo. But meanwhile, a quick life in Tokyo segment, Polly. Give us the uh, give us the, the rundown on what we've been doing. Oh, we've had a really exciting 24 hours, actually. We completed our 14-day sort of pseudo quarantine that we have to do here whereby um in place of a 14-day hotel quarantine we can only go to our place of work we could only go to the equestrian venue and of course our hotel um we were not allowed to go anywhere else use public transport we couldn't even you know pop to the convenience store up the road for 14 days hence why we've been uh, telling you all about our uber eats delivery adventures but we are now beyond that 14 days and while we're obviously still being incredibly careful and keeping our movements to a minimum we did last night have the opportunity to go up the famous tokyo tower um if you've seen pictures of the uh, very iconic Tokyo skyline you might have seen the tower it's it's orange it looked I, I thought it looked a bit like the Eiffel Tower um <laughs> well it was only when we were up at Polly that I realized that if you put hashtag Tokyo 2020 into Twitter the picture that comes up is actually the Tokyo Tower so I was a bit slow off the mark there oh yes I hadn't realized that but I'm not very good at Twitter so that's probably why but um no we headed up there at around uh at around sort of six o'clock and I don't I don't know about you but I wasn't really thinking too much about the time of day it was a convenient time of day because I had been working until sort of mid-afternoon writing the magazine copy from the individual final and um, and you, you'd had a few things to get up to as well um, but we we got up there in time for the most glorious sunset it was absolutely wonderful wasn't it it was all planned Polly <laughs> <laughs> I just tagged along apparently <laughs> it was a great sunset and I have to say when I showed the pictures that I took to uh, our photographer Peter Nixon and uh, John Stroud another photographer who's out here with Team GB they were like well you've knocked it out of the park there with your iPhone I don't know what we're all doing so <laughs> that made me laugh it was wonderful and um, no I, I loved that uh, we could even see Mount Fuji in the distance she um, doesn't often come out especially at this time of year but we were very lucky to um, to sort of see that as as part of the skyline very iconic and we also have been taking some trains Polly because we're also now allowed on public transport so today you and I both separately sampled the um (laughs) the way that we would have traveled to the venue had this Olympics happened a year ago um in non-covid times we both took the train in which was it's always interesting I think to take a train or tube in another country this was Mm. I guess more like the tube it was underground But quite simple, I think I was quite concerned that it would be very difficult to find the way with Japanese characters everywhere. But actually, all the lines are numbered and lettered and coloured. And I would say for an outsider, it's actually easier to navigate than the tube in London. No, I see what you mean with the with the numbers. I think um, I think there's there's one or two different train or underground systems here, um, which starts to get very complicated if you have to combine them. Luckily, our journey from the hotel to the venue is um, it's two sort of tube trains with a change in the middle and um, and a, and a walk on the other side, which wouldn't be too bad. But in 33 degrees, uh, middle of the day with a backpack, it was. Um, 
let's be honest i'm very grateful for our chartered taxis that the organizers have have sort of put on for us while we've been here yeah it was a warm walk and actually the uh, the reason that i went in early today listeners a bit earlier than polly was that i had a date at the vet clinic on site at the equestrian park so was lucky enough to go and have a look around there and be shown everything by uh, Chris Elliott, one of the team there, and a couple of other members of the team. Chris is an Australian vet who uh, has been at many, many championships and is working closely with the Japanese team and vets from all over the world um, in that vet clinic. And it was fascinating to hear about the facilities there and the work they do and just how much is put into monitoring the horses as well as you know managing them when things go wrong at this olympics so do catch up with that on our website as well oh i'm excited to read your feature on that i haven't had a chance to yet um and it is 1am so i might not uh, i might not make it my bedtime reading but it'll be on my list for the morning <laughs> yeah well as polly says it is 1am we are going to finish up here now tomorrow is our last full day here in tokyo last of the action So we will be back tomorrow night with our final daily podcast. Meanwhile, don't forget that as it's Friday, the Horse and Hound weekly podcast is also out. We've got an interview with Lottie Fry, one of our bronze medal winning dressage riders from here in Tokyo. Polly and I also review the eventing action from the Games. And there's much, much more in that weekly podcast, as always. We'll be back tomorrow night for the final episode of the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special. Supported by Toggy. 